Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. Water. Earth. Fire. Air. You're listening to the Television Archive, the show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved media. My name is Thomas Clark, and this is Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra. My brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe... Aang can save the world. Today we will be discussing Avatar The Last Airbender, Season 3, Episode 20, titled Sozin's Comet Part 3, Into the Inferno. Oh boy. All right. So, I have been talking for the past couple days about how Sozin's Comet is collectively my favorite episode of this series. I've been hyping this up as the best this show has ever been. And as we've been discussing the past couple parts, we've seen glimpses of that. We've definitely gone into specific moments of that, specific specific characteristics of Best Avatar. Like, we've had some amazing setup, we've had some amazing character arcs, we've had some amazing, truly brilliant, spectacular moments that pay off so many little things that when I first watched this finale, I didn't even think needed to be paid off. I didn't even, either I had forgotten about it or didn't care enough. I didn't know I wanted the payoff to certain things, and yet they gave it to me. They have gone all in in the first two parts. In the first half of this arc. And even if that was on its own, even if that even if those two episodes were the arc, it would be high up there for sure. But this this is where Sozin's comment kicks into high gear. This is where Sozin's comment really starts to deliver on its promise, really starts to hand you some truly magnificent moments, really starts to deliver on the build-up of this entire series. Ever since very early on, we've had the build-up, building and building and building and building and building to the eventual fight with Ozai, to Sozin's Comet. This is where Sozin's Comet starts to, to, to solidify itself as the greatest Avatar has ever been. Starting in this episode, they start to double down 
and dial it up to 11. Delivering pretty much all the best ofs you can possibly think of. The best fights of the series. The best artwork of the series. The best character moments of the series. The best terrifying villainous moments of the series. Even some of the best humor of the series. And last but not least, the best music of the series. Now, I will admit, I have done a fairly piss poor job of bringing up the music of Avatar The Last Airbender. Because the music of Avatar The Last Airbender is really good. But most of it is either just fine or entirely forgettable. Avatar The Last Airbender has never been a standout in its music. But Sosin's Comet is an exception. Oh my god. The score of Sosin's Comet. This entire arc, but specifically when we get into the meat of it. The fights. The actual soul-crushing, heart-pounding, like, the things we've been building to. Particularly in that back half, Sozin's Comet has the best music of Avatar The Last Airbender. It has an insanely good score. And I love it so much. It is frenzied, it is unsettling, it is hauntingly beautiful. And it's stuff that really just leaves its mark. It elevates this arc in such a magnificent way. Honestly, I would not be opposed to, since I'm obsessed with the soundtrack show recently, I would not be opposed to uh, them maybe going into this arc. Going into the music of Sozin's Comet. Because it is that good. It is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I have not been praising this nearly as much as it deserves to. Uh, I should be praising it now because, holy crap, if there is music in this show that is worth discussing, it is this music. And I could go on for like an hour just on each individual little cue, but I'm not going to. Just know that it is amazing and really does give Sozin's Comet a lot of its identity. In addition to everything else that makes this arc so freaking perfect, like the characters and story and blah, 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 blah. So, as far as the narrative goes, obviously this uh, has split itself into four separate quadrants. There are four individual battles going on at the same time to create this larger Sozin's Comet conflict. Uh, we got Iroh at Ba Sing Se, we got... Uh, Sokka, Toph, and Zuki uh, on the airships. We got Zuko and Katara fighting Azula. And then we have Aang fighting Ozai. Uh, I'm going to tackle them in that order. I'm going to tackle them in that sequence. Because I think that is most natural. Basically, I'm going to start with the... I don't want to say least important. But like, the most minimal. And go to the biggest, most bombastic part of the episode. So with Iron Bossing say, I'm gonna be honest, not a whole lot happens there. But what does happen is really, really awesome. I love the beginning of that siege. 
Uh, Iroh, given his line of only once every hundred years can a firebender experience this kind of power and just <sighs> does his breathing. He's been harping on that breathing the entire time. He's always been up on that breathing ever since the beginning. Remember, power in firebending is in the breath, not the muscle. Like, all the way back from the opening. All the way back from the beginning of the series. So he does that breathing. And then the fire builds and builds. It, it goes up and recedes. Up and recedes. Almost as if it's like a tide. A fire tide. And then he unleashes the full power of Susan's Comet. Creates this gigantic fireball. And just pounds it right at the wall. And then the siege starts. Boomy and all the other White Lotus Earthbender people move those Earth platforms to the wall. And they begin fighting. Paku does some awesome waterbending stuff. Pian Dao does some awesome sword stuff. Zhang Zhang has an amazing firebending moment where he's just creating these pillars of fire right in the middle of Ba Sing Se. And by the way, I love the sound that fire makes when it's hyped up on Sozin's Comet Juice. The... I'm doing a terrible impression of it, but it's like, it almost sounds like a jet engine. It really does have that powerful, visceral, like, just intense sound where, like, just beyond the visuals, but even in sound design, that's another thing about Sozin's Comet. Sozin's Comet has the best sound design of the series. Like, you kind of get the sense of, oh my god, that is a lot of fire. That is a very a powerful amount of fire. And, uh, yeah. There's that. <laughs> there is certainly that. So, all the old people have some really great moments infiltrating Bossing Say. Again, probably the least, probably the most minimalistic portion of this episode. Of all the four particular plot lines, this is the one where the least amount of things happens, but it's still awesome. It's still really, really cool. And then, of course, you have Sokka, Toph, and Suki on the airships. Uh, they go into one of the airships, go to the closest one. As they're taking off, and it, and I love, I, I love when they get on the airship. They have to catch Toph, by the way, from going uh, too far and, like, either falling off the other side or slamming her head. One or the other. Her blindness kind of prevents her from landing gracefully on a metal ship. And then you have that, like, panning shot of the entire airship fleet and then up to Ozai's ship. Oh, it's so good. But, uh, they infiltrate. Uh, they take out the bridge. Toph has this amazing fight with the bridge crew where she's just in this metal suit. And, like, they're in this amazing fight with firebenders fully on the power of Sozin's Comet. Uh, at one point, the hallway is just 
full of fire, like everything's engulfed in flames, as Toph's just in the middle, like, in her metal suit, like, yeah, so? It, it's great. It's awesome. It's so freaking badass. It's one of the most badass Toph moments of the entire show. You're gonna... You're gonna grow tired of me saying this is the best blank of the show, but... It's true. <laughs> it's 100% true. Every single time I say it, shut up. So then, of course, they take the bridge. Uh, there's this nice, small, little comedic moment... Where Sokka's like, cool, Toph. Now take the wheel. Oh, great. Let the blind girl pilot the giant airship. I was talking to Suki. Oh, that would make more sense. <laughs> like, just a small comedic moment that actually I'm kind of surprised it hasn't happened yet in this show because Toph is blind. I'm kind of shocked that we didn't have any confusion like that. Oh, it's so good. It's so, so great. So then they pull, after they, after they take the bridge, they pull this trick with the doors. <laughs> That's so hilarious. This is such a dark episode, and yet somehow they managed to put in one of the funniest comedic bits in all of Avatar. <laughs> Sokka getting on the... Getting on the loudspeaker, it's like, Attention, everyone! Please gather in the Bombay! We have a very special birthday to celebrate! They all get to the Bombay, like... Dude from communications and dude from engineering have this awkward meeting, like... Oh, hey, I work up in communications. I work down in engineering. It's probably why we have a met before. Yeah. Big airship. Yep. So... You know whose birthday it is? Other guy walks in. I can't believe the captain remembered my birthday. He really does care. Dropped through the Bombay doors. <laughs> Just dropped into the water. Happy birthday. <laughs> There's never a moment when watching that scene, when re-watching this episode, that I don't not laugh. <laughs> no, there's never a moment in the scene where I don't laugh at that. There's never a moment when watching this when I don't laugh at that. It's just... Oh my god, it's amazing. It's so freaking funny. And they managed to put that in the middle of this really dark moment where the Fire Nation's about to succeed in destroying the entire Earth Kingdom and Ozai's on the brink of burning down everything. Speaking of which, they try to catch up to Ozai before he gets to the Earth Kingdom. That fails. But Aang comes back to stop him, so yay, more on that later. So then Sokka's like, okay, Fire Lord says fight. Aang's got that covered. We need to stay focused on taking out that airship fleet before they do any more damage. So... They do what Sokka refers to as airship slice. And it's really brilliant what they do here. So Sokka just maneuvers the airship quite brilliantly to 
Go on a collision course with everyone else. Go on a collision course with the rest of the fleet. And then they all run off. And also, I love... Oh my god. I, I love this one small moment where, while Sokka's maneuvering, the airship fleet reaches the tip of the Earth Kingdom, and they start burning. There's like a billion of them just burning with the power of like infinite suns. Like all hopped up on Sozin's comet juice. Just like the entire Earth Kingdom. And Toph just goes, whoa, that's a lot of fire, isn't it? And she's looking directly at it, but of course, she's blind, she can't see it. She feels the heat. She feels the heat of this fire, and it's like, oh. Oh, that's a lot, isn't it? So then, of course, they put him on the collision course. Uh, Sokka, Toph, and Suki all managed to escape the airship, barely. And then, of course, as they're running across the top, Sokka and Toph become separated from Suki. And Suki, as the airship she's on, goes down. is like, I'm okay! Just finish the mission! And Sokka's broken up about it. Now, we don't know what's going on with Suki, with Suki at this point. We don't know if she's dead or alive. We will not find out in this episode. We will not have confirmation in this episode at all. So, Sokka and Toph... Manage to frantically jump from one airship to the next. They go over that hurdle. And. Like I love this moment. This like really vulnerable human moment. Where Sokka's just like. Is just covering Toph from the debris. Just like is like. Curled over Toph, like shielding her. It's great. It's absolutely amazing. It's so, it's such a freaking perfect moment. And you can see that both of them, like, neither one of them is really too, uh, too confident about this. Like, they are terrified. They are really, really genuinely terrified. It's a really, really brilliant little shot. Also... I should have mentioned this earlier, but, uh, the airships, the the one airship slicing through the other airships, awesome! Such an awesome moment, such an awesome shot. I love watching these airships just cannibalize one another. This one airship cannibalize all the other airships. It's, it's so cool. It's so badass. I love it. So that's it for that portion. We'll go back to that in part four. There is also... The whole Azula front to deal with. Zuko and Katara's fight with Zula. So, of course, before Zuko and Katara even arrive, Azula's having her own issues with her coronation day. Mainly that she's banishing literally everyone. She banishes one of her aides for missing a cherry pit. Leaving a pit in her cherry. She banishes her Dai Li agents for 
not uh, for not showing up soon enough. She banishes either low or lean, not sure which, which is also an amazing comedic moment. I order you to fight an Agni Kai, but we're not firebenders. Fine. Low, you're banished. Lee, you can stay. But I'm Lee. So who's banished? Mm. <laughs> it's great. She banishes everyone. She banishes literally everyone because they're not up to her standards. Because she is consumed with this notion, everyone around me is out to get me. Everyone around me is out to betray me. And then, of course, she has this moment where just... In a fit of rage, she cuts her hair. And then she sees her mother in the mirror. Of a... A hallucination of her mother in the mirror. And they have this, like, whole vitriolic conversation. It's... Oh, it's so, so good. It's so phenomenal. Where her mother, or this hallucination of her mother, brings up how she's always used fear to control people. How, even though Azula doesn't know it, she does love her. This is Azula's rage. Azula's perceived disappointment from her mother. Just being spat back at her. Her manipulation being spat back at her. And it's an amazing little arc of Azula just spiraling, spiraling, Spiraling out of control. It's really incredible how she unravels. And when you think about the reasoning. It's. It feels entirely organic. Think about what's happened to her. Just in the past like 10 episodes. Just in the past half season. Zuko. Became a full blown traitor. Zuko betrayed the Fire Nation and teamed up with the Avatar. Manti Lee, her two, the two closest things she has to friends, betrayed her at the Boiling Rock. And then Ozai presented her with the title of Fire Lord. Massive Massive trust issues combined with the very vocal, very apparent confrontation of my main method of manipulation is no longer working, courtesy of May, combined with this big responsibility given to her by Ozai, something she's wanted her entire life. The confluence of these three things, 
just launch her into this state of madness, this state of frenzy, this state of insanity. And this shows most when Zuko shows up and challenges her claim to the throne. And how does Azula respond to this? By ordering an Agni Kai. Zuko and Azula. The final showdown of these two Fire Nation royal siblings. A confrontation that has built up for two whole seasons. Ever since Azula was first introduced... And I love how Katara says, like, hey, what are you doing? The whole plan was for us to face Azula together. And Zuko's like, yeah, but she's slipping. She's not as on top of things as she usually is. I think it can take her this time. And then we get into the Agni Kai, which is gorgeous. It is the most beautiful display of firebending, probably in this entire show. It's a work of art in and of itself. Uh, the music that plays over it, uh, the visuals of the orange and blue fire. It is freaking gorgeous. And it is this very intense, very artistic fight. But then, of course, Azula breaks out lightning and points it not at Zuko, who's ready to redirect it. But at Katara, she shoots lightning. Zuko realizes what she has done. And he jumps in front of it to save Katara. He brings the lightning into himself. But doesn't let it out. He holds it. And now Zuko is just on the ground, like, twitching and just in this big mess. Some stray strands of lightning keep, like, flickering. And then Azula starts to go after Katara with this maniacal evil laugh. This laugh that shows she has come fully unhinged. Her insanity has just ramped up to such a monstrous degree. And it's amazing. It's an amazing moment. We'll leave that there for part four. Then we have Ang and Ozai. What y'all came to say. The moment you've been waiting for. I love, first of all, the build-up of Ozai's fire when he first reaches the tip of the Earth Kingdom. Like, you see this little puff of fire come out of his hand. And then... And it's, like, just this terrifying image... Of this 
inhuman amount of fire creeping closer and closer to Aang. And then, of course, he makes himself known. A few rocks and a large amount of fire on the airship's little engine deal. Bringing the airship down. Along with a music cue that kind of sounds like Psycho. But in a different key. Like, you know what I mean? Like, kind of has the... That? Like, it's kind of... It would not surprise me. If whoever the composer was for this episode thought, what if I do something kind of like Psycho, but a little different? Because this very much has a Psycho vibe. As the airship's going down and Ozai's jumping off of it. And then we get the start of this confrontation. Ozai delivers this opening line. After generations of Fire Lords failed to find you, now the universe has delivered you to me as an act of providence. And Aang gives this final plea. Please listen to me. We don't have to fight. You have the power to end this here and now. This final plea from Aang. Please don't make me do this. Please don't make me. Have to probably do something horrible to you. Please don't make me have to fight and probably kill you. Let's both walk away from this. And end this. That was a bad time for me to sneeze. Please let me, please let us both walk away from this. And Ozai responds to this like, you're right. I do have the power. I have all the power in the world. And does that like fire breathing, fire shooting out of arms image. And it just, like it just does this fast zoom out and just sees this, again, terrifying, menacing image of fire coming from like, all these points of his body, and oh my god, it's so good. And then the fight actually starts, and it is a phenomenally done fight. Uh, they make a brilliant use of wides. They pull back a lot. By the way, I love this proverbial battlefield they're on. I love this makeshift battlefield they're on. Like, it has... Like, it feels desolate. It feels isolated, uh, Aang has access to very easily to all four elements: air, water, earth, fire. It's really, really good. It's really, really phenomenally good. And they make very, very good use of that battlefield. Very ingenious use of that battlefield in many, many ways. So they do this fight. They're throwing bendables at each other. They're throwing the elements at each other. It is intense. It is unsettling. Like, you're sort of forced to lean in. And even if you've seen this before, even me, I was glued to the screen the entire time. Like, just kind of 
nervous, kind of walking on eggshells, like, oh, ang, beat, ozai, ah. Like, it's of this really, really high stakes, beautiful, exhilarating yet terrifying sequence. Ang fighting Ozai. And there's one moment in this fight that I want to make very specific attention to. I want to pay very specific attention to. When Aang is forced to redirect lightning, as Zuko taught him. Ozai shoots lightning at him. He absorbs it. He's ready to redirect it. But instead of pointing it at Ozai, like there's a moment where he almost shoots Ozai of lightning. And then he's like, no, I can't do that. I can't kill this man. And then just shoots it up in the air. And Ozai has this moment of terror and then satisfaction of, oh God, he's going to kill me. No, he didn't. And then this fight continues and it, ramps up in intensity more and more and more and more and more and more and more. It's it's brilliant, artistic, it's it's phenomenal. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal fight sequence. And then you have the ending. Where Aang being on the ropes has curled himself up in this little earth ball. In this little earth sphere. As a last resort. You think, oh no, Aang's gonna... Aang's gonna be killed. Aang's gonna lose this battle. And Ozai... Frickin' Ozai delivers a line. That... I gotta give credit to Mark Hamill on this one. Mark Hamill, oh my god. He does some really phenomenal voice work here. He delivers this one line in such a terrifying way. A way in which it is burned into my brain forever. I can never forget this line. You're weak. Just like the rest of your people. They did not deserve to exist in this world. In my world. Prepare to join them. Prepare to die. And then... He just is shooting fire at this ball over and over and over and over and over again. Never letting up. And it ends there. And now we have to wait till friggin' Monday for me to discuss the last episode of this goddamn arc. Screw you, calendar. (laughs) Screw you. Why couldn't you put an extra weekday in? Now I have to wait till Monday to do part four. I hate everything. <laughs> I'm just going to shut up and let whatever else I have to say uh, lie until part four. Because I'm going to spoil something if I keep talking. I'm going to spoil something for the people who haven't watched this before if I keep talking. So, yeah, whatever. This is over. This is done. If you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's as simple as just a push of a button 
on the Anchor app. I will play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, TomTom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark. Pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. Or, if that doesn't work for you, you can also support this show via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. On Monday, we will be discussing Avatar The Last Airbender Season 3, Episode 21. The series finale! I'm so excited. Talk to you then.